This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg We're in the middle of letter number 21 on page 7 that he's discussing, he's starting a monthly tzedakah club, or even better yet, a weekly tzedakah club. Instead of just giving one lump sum, an annual lump sum, he's stressing the importance of giving monthly, joining the monthly club or the, or the weekly club, giving every week you should give a portion of your... Even if, you're not ended up, even if you don't end up giving more than if you would have given the lump sum, you should better break it up into monthly installments or better yet weekly installments and um, he explained oh you're in the daily club but he's saying he's not saying about you give every day you can give a penny you can give a dime you can give a quarter here he's talking about the person gives for the year let's say a person gives a serious amount over the year instead of giving one lump sum one check he says better yet give it break it down into weekly monthly at least monthly um, and he said, why? Because when it comes to mitzvot, a person should always be, act quickly, with alacrity, with, with enthusiasm, with excitement, and do it well, and do it swiftly, and do it quickly, and do it, do it and get it done. So how much more so when it comes to the mitzvot, that's true of all mitzvot, how much more so with the mitzvot of tzedakah, which literally defends us in this world and saves our lives, and we all need defending, and we all need saving so every time you give tzedakah, it's a tremendous defense, tremendous advocate for yourself. So it's important to be able to, to do the mitzvah, this mitzvah of tzedakah with alacrity, with enthusiasm, doing it quickly. So don't push off and don't delay and say, I'll give my month, my annual, my annual check. I'll give it at the end of the year. Don't wait till the end of the year to give your lump sum. Rather, give, start giving as soon as you can. Give a little at a time weekly or at minimum monthly monthly installments. And uh, as the Rebbe explained, he's talking here about, specifically about the tzedakah to help Israel, to help Eretz Yisrael, which is the first of all tzedakahs. A person has a choice to support Israel, support outside the land of Israel. Israel always comes first. So at that time, um, in order to get the money from Eastern Europe to Israel, this was once in a year. It was an annual event to travel and to travel safely and to get there and to deliver the money. So therefore, it wouldn't really matter. Of course, if they were going to go to Israel, they needed if they're able to wire the money, and they can do it today. Don't don't let the Jews in Israel starve to death because you are busy worrying about yourself, making sure you want to have a better marriage. They say, you know what, you die because I really have to give this tzedakah in installments. Doctor Rebbe tells me I have to give this money in installments and give a small amount at a time. It's not what Doctor Rebbe is talking about. God forbid to give small installments versus large installments. Of course, if 
you can help a person today, help them today. But we're talking about in that specific case where it wouldn't make a difference. It wouldn't make a difference whether you gave it once a year or you would give it weekly and monthly installments because as it is, they would only come, only deliver it once a year. So whether you gave it weekly on a weekly basis, whether you gave it on a monthly basis, it would not affect the recipient. The recipient would get it at the same time anyway. So then, if it doesn't affect the recipient, if you're talking about the giver, so it's preferable that a person, the giver, should give it in monthly installments, even better yet, weekly installments, better than just giving it once at the end of the year, like one, one lump sum. Or even at the beginning of the year, one lump sum. Better break it up and give it in installments. That's one reason, he says, it should always be try to do the mitzvah as soon as possible. And now he's going to give additional reasons on top of page 7. Indeed, in the service of charity, we have also found and noted a particularly great and incomparably wondrous virtue. As explained above in Igrit HaKodesh, Epistle 7, the act of charity remains stately within the conventional limits set by one's natural inclination. In the case of the service of charity, Avot HaKad Tzedakah, by contrast, the individual serves Hashem by toiling, refining himself, and excelling himself until he is able to be charitable in a manner that leaps above and beyond his custom and nature. The Alter Rebbe now teaches that even if the amount one gives is not out of the ordinary, nevertheless, if it is given with great frequency, this too qualifies as divine service. He uses the language, avoid the the service of tzedakah. And then he's going to say in a moment, the act of tzedakah. As he explained in letter 12, there's a difference between the two. The act of tzedakah is when a person gives naturally following his inclination, his capacity, his natural inclination and abilities. But service of tzedakah is when a person goes way beyond his nature, pushes himself, stretches himself, works in himself to give tzedakah that's way beyond, it's not commensurate to his natural proclivities, inclination and ability, pushes himself beyond. So he's saying that either way, even if a person is not giving extraordinary tzedakah, even if a person is giving regular, following his, his obligation and giving according to his means and according to his ability and according to his natural inclinations, even that type of tzedakah, it is better that it should be given with greater frequency. And if it is given with greater frequency, then he upgrades his giving from the act of tzedakah to the service of tzedakah. Service of tzedakah means doing something unusual. So even if you're doing an act of tzedakah, which is the amount that you're giving, is the amount that's expected. You're not doing anything heroic. You're not giving levels of tzedakah that are heroic to the person. This is all quality, qualitative. This is all subjective. A billionaire, if he gives $100,000, that's not an act of tzedakah, and it's not a service of tzedakah. He's not giving what's expected of him, and he's surely not doing anything heroic. Could be even if he wrote a million-dollar check, it's not even heroic for him. We're talking about... Yeah, sorry. Sorry, uh, But, uh, I mean, doesn't it all translate into, like, a calculation? You know, the halacha is you give 10%, but if you can afford, you give up to 20%. So he's saying it's a monetary calculation. Right, so that's, right. The, cert- that's the act of tzedakah. You're giving what's expected, you're giving what's obligatory, 
you're giving what's, you know, according to your nature. You're not really losing any sleep at night. <laughs> Service of tzedakah is when you're really losing a little sleep. <laughs> you're starting to sweat. In other words, it works on like the physical plus the supernal. It's, it's very personal. It's very subjective. Everyone according to their level. You know the story with a miser never gave a dime to tzedakah. And once he was very sick and the doctors told him, I'm sorry, you're going to die because they couldn't get him to sweat. If the body couldn't sweat out the toxins, he's going to die. So there's nothing he could do. Anyway, so he calls the rabbi to read the Shema to say the end of his life. He says, Rabbi, listen, I'm dying, so let me do a little act of tzedakah so I can have some merits when I come. So he says, okay, $100,000 to, uh, to the benevolence fund. $50,000 to the rabbi's discretionary fund, $360,000 to the, to the building fund. As he's writing, he says, stop, stop, tear up the check, I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so there's a service of tzedakah. The service of tzedakah is... When you're sweating, you start sweating. When you start getting a little, uh, you're, getting, you're pushing yourself. You're getting a little nervous. You're giving way beyond uh, what's expected of you, or your means, or your capacity. So that takes service. That's really going beyond stretching yourself. But he says, even if a person doesn't give the service of tzedakah, he does. The act of tzedakah is going to say, when the act of charity is performed numerous times, then... He started out in the top of the page, then he upgrades his giving. Even though quantity-wise, he's giving an amount that's expected, but by the mere fact that he's giving that same amount in installments, and monthly and even better yet, weekly installments, giving it frequently, he elevates and upgrades. He gets an upgrade, the business class. <laughs> he gets an upgrade that this is called the service of tzedakah. It's a superior form of tzedakah. It's incomparably wondrous virtue. He elevates the same act of tzedakah to a whole different level. Takes it to a whole different level. Just by the frequency of giving stuff. When the act of charity is performed numerous times, the altar rabbi is referring here not to one's annual pledge, but to the actual giving of the numerous increments which add up to its total amount. It was the same amount. But he adds, not he increases that he makes many pledges. The same pledge. He gave one pledge in the beginning of the year, but he's paying out his pledge numerous in increments. And he's doing it many times. He's paying it out in many, many installments. And whoever does so frequently is praiseworthy. Rather than at one time and all at once, even when the total sum is the same. Even then, it is far preferable to give the same amount over a longer <coughs> on numerous occasions. As Moshe Mimari's Blessed Memory wrote in his commentary on the following Mishnah taught by the sages of blessed memory, and everything is judged according to the multiplicity of action as opposed to the stature of the deed. On this Mishnah, the Rambam explains that the, a one-time donation of, say, a thousand gilden is truly praiseworthy. The trait of benevolence does not thereby become embedded within the donor's psyche to the same extent as it would if he would give these same thousand coins one at a time. The Rambam, on the Mishnah, Ethics of Our Fathers, Chapter 3, Rabbi Kiva says that a person is judged according to the frequency of his actions. It doesn't say according to the action, the quality of the action, but the, but the frequency of the action. In other words, this, as the Rambam explains, it could be the same action. 
But if it's not frequent, it's the same action. It's the same total. You're giving a thousand dollars. It's the same action. But when you increase the frequency of the action, you do the same thousand dollars, you give it a dollar at a time, and you keep on giving a thousand times. It's far superior. The judgment is far superior. The reward is far superior than the person who gives one shot. Why? Because every time you give tzedakah, it leaves an impression on you. A person is influenced by his behavior, by his action. So you become, you're training yourself. You're, 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 you're training yourself to give. It becomes part, it becomes etched into your being. If you give a thousand times, it becomes like part of your psyche. It becomes part of your inner furniture. It leaves a very, it etches something into you. It leaves a very, very powerful impression. You know, someone we were discussing the other week, someone, uh, a, a professor, who became a Balchuva many years ago, and unfortunately he has Alzheimer's. Doesn't recognize anyone. Doesn't recognize his own children. Doesn't even know himself. And, um, but you know, he wakes up every morning. He washes Nagavasa. He davens. He says, Maidaani. There's nothing left inside. It's like a shell. But the core, the essence remains. That, because it became etched into his being. Doing it every day, it became part of, part of his essence. Even though his mind is completely gone. He doesn't recognize anyone or anything, but it's like become became part of his being. So, in order for tzedakah, not just the objective fact or the effect of the tzedakah, but the personal effect, the person giving the tzedakah, that the tzedakah changes you. You become a giver. You become kind. You become a generous person. It becomes etched into your being that the hand was created in order to give. That you are godly and godlike by doing what God does, which is to give and to provide. So you're constantly, your hand is constantly in motion, your hand is constantly giving. I said, the Rebbe would do every Sunday, would constantly give tzedakah, thousands of times, every Sunday. And getting thousands of people in turn also to give tzedakah, making them a partner to give. The idea that it's constant and it's repetitive. And um, so this is so, so important. Our grandmothers, our bubbies would have nailed in, their, uh, nailed in their kitchens, they would nail their pushka, the charity box, into their kitchen. Every time before they ate breakfast, lunch, or supper, they would put a dime, a nickel, a penny, whatever, a quarter, you know, that was worth something. They used to put it inside the, inside the tzedakah box. So the idea that it's, it's nailed into the wall. The act of tzedakah should become nailed into the person. If you give it a one-time check, it could be a big check. It's a nice thing, but it's a one-time thing. It's a momentary thing. It hasn't become nailed into you. It's not part of you. When you're giving that same thing, constantly giving and constantly giving a thousand times, it's going to have a tremendous effect on you. When you do something, you use the analogy of a thousand. You write one, give it one time, a thousand dollars, or give a thousand times, one dollar at a time. If your hand is giving and repeating something a thousand times, that's going to influence you. That's going to change you. That's going to leave a mark on you. That's going to, it becomes part of your essence. It becomes part of who you are. It's transformational. 
So that's why the Mishnah says a person is judged not only based on the quality of the good deeds, is it a good deed or not, but the quantity, the frequency, how often. Because it's important for the person to have that frequency because only then does it affect you and it changes you and it transforms you. That only comes through action. A person is influenced by his behavior through his action. Constant, continuous, daily action. Now, apart from the underlying reason for this, that Rambam of blessed memory clearly explains, in order to refine the soul by means of the multiplicity of action, an explicit verse in Scripture states that the effect of tzedakah is for life. In his notes and emendations at the conclusion of the Hebrew edition of the Tanya, the Rebbe Shlitzer refers the reader to the following two verses. In Mishle, we find the effect of a tzaddik is for life. And in Mishle 11.11, we find so is tzedakah for life. In other words, this verse that he quotes here, this verse does not exist anywhere. There is no such verse. It's an amalgamation of two verses in Mishli. But this precise wording, it's not a quote. Pula, tzedakah, l'chayim, the effect of tzedakah is for life, there's no such quote. There's no such verse. It's taking these two verses together. Accordingly, the Rebbe, Shlita, notes that the Alter Rebbe's citation of the three words, the effect of tzedakah is for life, as part of an explicit verse, is problematic. Seemingly, this difficulty could be resolved by interpreting thus, since the effect of a tzaddik is tzedakah in the spirit of the verse, God is a tzaddik. He loves acts of tzedakah. The verse which states that the effect of a, a, a tzaddik is for life, in fact, seeks to imply that the effect of a tzaddik, tzedakah, is for life. From the comment of the Rebbe Shlita, However, it is apparent that this interpretation is unsatisfactory, for surely an explicit verse should be explicit without resort to interpretation. Because he sounds like he's quoting. He's quoting a verse, and then it turns out it's not an exact quote, it's a little play in words. So even though it makes sense, because thematically, theme-wise, as it says in Tehillim, chapter 11, Tzadik Hashem, Oyev Tzedakah, Hashem is righteous and he loves righteousness. In other words, what is the definition of a tzaddik? Why is someone called a tzaddik? Tzaddik comes from the word tzedakah. A tzaddik, a righteous person, is someone who's charitable, who's kind and giving and charitable. So when he says, when the verse does, as quoted, says, Pu'ula tzaddik l'chayim, the effect of a tzaddik is for life, What's the theme of a tzaddik? What defines a tzaddik? What makes someone a tzaddik? The tzedakah that he gives. So in other words, the verse is saying that the effect of tzedakah is to life. The effect of a tzaddik, by doing what the tzaddik does, it leads to life. What does a tzaddik do? Tzedakah. So, so that's what Alter Rebbe is referring to. But it sounds like he's quoting. You know, when you quote... Precise, it has to be precise, quote, unquote, word for word, and then you can give the interpretation. So that's, that's why the Rebbe is commenting that it's a little um, not so clear why 
he starts with a quote and ends up being not exactly, not exactly, a quote should be exact. <laughs> you know, this is a quote, period. And then give your interpretation. Um, not put words in the Pasuk. You don't put words in the Pasuk. Um, but this is what how the Alter Rebbe quotes. We do find that the Balshemtiv did once gave an interpretation of a verse and he changed the verse a little. And someone said that the Balshemtiv has the power to, you know, if he quotes a verse that way, then uh, the Balshemtiv has the authority and he can he can do that. So um, I guess Alter Rebbe is following in his footsteps, but. So this is the comment, food for thought. This, this means the effect and mystical consequence of Tzagatha is to elicit and draw down eternal life from the fountainhead of life, literally from the life of life, of blessed angels, to the land of life, that is, to Mahfud of Asilu. So there's two things. The, the effect of the Tzadik is to life. So firstly, life literally, that we should live. But here he's saying also spiritually that the effect is there's a supernal effect. Whatever we do in this world also has an effect in the supernal world, in the divine. We affect change. We affect this dynamic um, result. As a result of our simple act, acts in this world, we affect Tremendously dynamic um, reactions in the highest worlds, in the divine world, divine world of emanation. So we give life, he says, from the source of life, which is the infinite, we draw down life to the land of life. The land of life refers to the lowest level of the divine world of emanation, the land of the world, the divine world, the land of life, which is the level of Malchut Vatsilus. The sphere of Malchut in the world of Vatsilut is known as the land of life because relative to the more heavenly levels, it is the lowest level with that world. It is known as the land of life because it provides life to all the created beings in the three lower worlds of Bria, Etzira, and Asiya. So land receives Land receives from above, and you plant the seeds and you water the land, and then the land creates. So the land, Malchut, receives from all the higher spherot. It's a receptive, it's a receptacle. It has nothing on its own. All it does is it receives, but it's also the creative power. Just like the land, as we learned in the last letter, the land is the creative. The land, which is the lowest, really is rooted in the highest and therefore it has the creative power, which only Hashem has the power to create, and therefore it creates, so too, Malchut, which is at the very end, and it receives from all of the above, has nothing on its own, and all it does is receives and absorbs from all of the above, but that triggers its creative ability to create, to create all the worlds. That creates something from nothing, all the world, starting with the world of creation and information and then um, action. That's why it's called the land of life. It's the source of all life, of our life. It's the land at the lowest level it receives, and the land has the power to generate, to create something from nothing. The effect of Tzedakah, then, is to draw down life-giving divine energy 
into the recipient of feminine attribute called Malchut of Atzilut. The source of this life, the fountainhead of life, is called Za Zeranti, which is the last level within the worlds that are Ensof or infinite. The name Zerantin is an acronym of the initial Zerantin, i.e. the bracket of six masculine midot or emotive attributes of Atzilut. This yichud of masculine and feminine midot is the supernal union spoken of below. So the midot, even though the emotions, just like within a human being, the emotional qualities, although they are in relation to those outside of us, we love, we hate, we're attracted, we're repulsed, we like, we dislike. But nevertheless, they characterize, are called midot, they characterize us. I love, I hate, I'm repulsed, I, I'm attracted. So it's all about me, my character, in relation to those outside of me, but it's still me. But speech, however, is completely and totally for the other person. I don't need speech from myself. You can't be a king over yourself. Leadership and kingdom is only over others, to lead others. It begins with the other. If there's no others, there's no king, there's no leadership, there's no speech. It doesn't exist. I can be alone and I can love. I can pine. I can yearn. I can ache. I'm aching for someone else and they're not there, but, and it's me aching, but I can, it's me aching. So I can ache and pine and yearn and love and, and be lovesick even if there's no one around. But you can't speak if there's no one around. You can't be king if there's no one around. You can't be leader if there's no one around. It begins with the other. And speech is nothing of its own. It receives from everything above it. So the six, the midot, are like the midot is the character of Hashem, who is infinite. So, so the midot, which are the zah, the zeir ampin, the six emotional attributes, they are still, yes, they are in relation to reality outside of Hashem, but they still characterize Hashem. Hashem loves, Hashem is it removes himself, Hashem draws himself close. It's all characterizing Hashem who's infinite. So therefore it's the infinite. So when you draw down from the infinite, the end of the infinite, which is the levels of the emotional, divine emotional attributes, you draw it down into Malchus. Malchus is completely disconnected, a divorce. It's like outside, separate. Um, it's the receiver, the receptacle. So... Therefore, it needs to be drawn, you need to draw down that life. And you need to draw down that life from the infinite to the receiver, to the land of the living, land of life. So, as he's going to explain, that Malchus is like the poor person. has nothing on its own. It's a receiver. It's dependent on the giver. The giver has everything. The receiver has nothing. So the receiver is ready to receive and open, ready to absorb. But the giver has to give. So when we give tzedakah, when we give, then we trigger in the heavens, in the divine, that the giver, the masculine energy, the giving, the giver, gives to the receiver gives to the world of Malchus. There's a, a divine uh, flow from the infinite 
into the land, into the receiver. Because it refers to it as the masculine energy and the feminine energy. Because the masculine energy is to give, to take care of. An adult has a responsibility to take care of, to give. Take care of someone. So marriages, it's your responsibility and your commitment to take care. It's the husband's mission and responsibility to give, to provide, to take care of someone. That's the masculine position. It's the masculine energy. That's his strength. That's his ability. To give, to provide, and to accomplish something. That's his mission. That's his why. Why is he here? I'm here to take care of another person. To be an influence. Not to receive. It's not what can marriage do for me? What can she do for me? It's what can I do for her? What what am I here for? What's my mission? And the same is true in everything in life. Why does a person eat? How are we allowed to eat meat? It says an earthy person is not allowed to eat meat. Only a Torah scholar. Why? Because if you're eating meat, like a coarse, crass person would eat meat, you're receiving. The cow is giving and you're receiving. He's giving you pleasure. You're just there to take and to abuse and to use the food to give you pleasure. But the truth is, the only reason you're allowed to eat meat is because you can give something. You can add something. You can give something to the meat that the meat doesn't have on its own. You can give something to the food that the food doesn't have on its own. What do you have? What can you give to the food the food doesn't have on its own? When you eat the food for the sake of heaven, it's the reverse form of evolution. The food is elevated and evolves to a higher level from the organic life. From the organic life becomes part of the animal life. The animal life now becomes part of a human life. When you eat it and digest it, it becomes part of the human life. And then when you connect with your awareness and your consciousness, you connect with the divine, you connect with Hashem, with the infinite, you elevate everything that you ate. So you are giving something. You're here to contribute, you're here to give. We're not takers. That's what it means, a masculine energy. Masculine energy is to recognize that we didn't come in this world, to this world to take, to use people, to abuse people. That's not a relationship. And you're in the receiving end. I'm here to accomplish something, to give. What am I adding to the picture? What am, I, what am I here for? Why am I here? Not enough, I'm here, and I exist, and I want to expand my existence. That means taking, using, abusing. I am here to give. I am here to add something. That's why I'm here. That's my mission. That's the masculine position. I have to take care of someone. 
I have that ability, God gave me that ability to take care of someone, to give something to someone. Now, it's a, it's a tremendous responsibility and it takes a lot of maturity to understand that and to recognize it and to live up to that. But that's the mashpia, that's to give. That's what life is about. That's my mission in life. To give, to provide, to take care of. That's the one who's giving tzedakah. He is giving. Recognizing, I am here to give. I am, that's my mission in life. That's the purpose of my existence. Otherwise, why am I here? What am, why am I existing? Just existence for the sake of existence? My existence is justified because why am I here? Only because I'm here to give, to give tzedakah, to give, to provide, to help, to add, to benefit, to do something, to accomplish something. And that's true consistently in life. That's why tzedakah is such a central theme. It's not just tzedakah, it's everything. It's an approach. It's the masculine energy. I'm here to give. To give to the receiver. To provide. To give them with dignity. And so when we give, and it's received, this affects a tremendous effect in the heavens and the divine worlds. That the divine giving, so to speak, the divine, which is infinite, Hashem, giving, Hashem is infinite, and even his emotional characteristics, Hashem is giving. So there's a tremendous flow, a divine flow, from the infinite divine aspects, from the masculine divine aspects, into the feminine divine aspect, which is the Shekhinah, which is the earth, which receives and absorbs. And meets the giver halfway. And that creates the perfect union. There's a giver and there's a receiver. And each one enhances the other. Because it's only when through the receiver the giver is fulfilling its mission. That's why the giver is there to give. It's giving, the receiver gives the giver purpose and meaning. Without the receiver, the giver has no purpose. Just existence. Just existence doesn't mean anything. Why am I here? I'm here to give, to provide. If there's no one to provide for, I have no purpose. So when the receiver receives, the giver now has meaning and purpose. Has a why to exist. Why am I here? To give, to provide. I'm taking care of the receiver. So the receiver gives back to the giver. More than the giver gives the receiver, the receiver gives the giver. I'm giving you your meaning. I'm giving you your purpose. I'm giving you the whole reason for your existence. Without me, you you don't really exist. What's your purpose? So it's a tremendous, it's a mutual enhancing. It's mutually enhancing. Each one strengthens the other, needs the other, supports the other. So the giving and the receiving, there's so much dignity here. It's a relationship. It's a two-way street. That's the difference between when you give and when you abuse someone. When you use someone. The other person is just, you're just abusing them. Just to continue to enhance your existence. But they, they, you don't, there's no dignity there. There's no honor. There's no respect. Here the giver gives with so much honor and so much respect and so much dignity because 
I need you more than you need me. The giver recognizes that. I treat you with so much respect because what you're giving me is so much more than what I'm giving you. So if I give the tzedakah with a smile, I give it with joy, I give it with dignity. I'm not using you. I'm not abusing you. I love you and I respect you. So the giving is given with sensitivity and with gentleness and with, and with such mutual, mutual love and respect that everyone is enhanced by this. The giver is enhanced, the receiver is enhanced. This is a virtuous union where only wonderful things happen. That's the difference between, in Hebrew, there's two words for poverty. Dull and rush. As explained in the previous Rebbe's last Maimer, Vasil Lagani, the last Hasidic discourse. Dull both, and rush, both mean, rush means that someone has nothing. Completely impoverished. Dull also means someone who's so poor, he has nothing. But there's a difference. The Dalit has a Yud in the back. Showing that that's holy. It's a holy receiving. Rush is like a Resh, no Yud in the back. Is an is all is ego when there's nothing holy involved. So rush means when you abuse the other person, you use the other person for your pleasure. I'm just using you. There's no relationship. There's no respect. There's no connection. Thou is receiving. There's nothing greater than receiving. There's nothing more profound. There's nothing more enhancing and uplifting when the giver and the receiver actually meet and the, and the giver is enhanced by the giving and the, the receiver is uplifted by the giving. And that's a mutually beneficial relationship which is based on love and respect. Where the giver says, I need you. You don't understand. I'm not doing you any favors. You're doing me the biggest favor. I need you more than you need me. So much respect. That's such dignity. It's a different type of giving. It's not, it's not only the giving. It's how you give. It's an uplifting type of giving. It's a holy type of giving. It's giving like Hashem gives. Hashem shows so much respect for us. We're the receivers. And Hashem shows so much respect for us. He says, I need you. You're infinite and you need me? Yes, I need you. It's your receiving that you're giving me purpose. You're giving me reason. So when we give tzedakah, it affects, the divine effect is so profound and so powerful and so earth-shattering. We draw down life. We draw down life from the infinite a new flow of life, a new flow of pleasure of life from Hashem into the Malchus, into the land of the living, into Malchus, into the receiver. So it's a new union, a new... which gives birth to new life, a new lease on life, gives birth to all wonderful things. We learned earlier, literally the new lease of life. Tzedakah saves from death, literally. And it brings to blessings and it leads to financial success and health and all the good things. 
because every time we give tzedakah, there's a, a, a flow of life, a flow of energy. Something so powerful happens, a surge of energy. By the simple act of tzedakah. Every single time we give tzedakah, something magical happens that affects the whole cosmos, that affects the whole universe, and the divine, and the world of unity. It's hard even to fathom the effects of our tzedakah, the smallest acts that we do in this world, what repercussions, infinite repercussions it has. But Hashem knows it. And the divine world sense it and feel it and experience it. The land of life, i.e. Malchut of Atzilut, is the Shekhinah which gives us strength, i.e. the divine presence that animates and fortifies created beings of which it is said, and you animate them all. The word Ata, you, alludes to the Sefirah of Malchut, the source of Hashem's creative speech, in the world of Atzilut, for its spelling indicates all the letters from Aleph to Taf, from the first letter of the alphabet to the last, while its letter He, numerically equivalent to five, alludes to the five organs of verbal articulation, the source of the letter. Aleph, Ato, Aleph, Taf, the first and last letter, and all the letters in between. And the hay that divides the voice, the voice is a simple voice to divide it into different letters, five different families, five different categories of letters, whether through the, the lips together or the tongue and the palate, all the different ways that form the different families of letters, that creates that, the divisions and differentiation between one letter and the next. That's what creates all of the worlds, that's what brings all the worlds into existence and sustains them and animates them. And that's the level of Shechina. That's the level of Malchus, which is the land that gives birth to all this, something from nothing that gives birth to all of the created beings and all the individual beings that populate these worlds. The Shechina is identified with the Sukkah of David that has fallen down to the very dust during the time of exile. As our sages of blessed memory taught, when the Jewish people were exiled to Edom, the Shekhinah went with them, accompanying them in all their wanderings throughout his last and lowest exile of ours. This last and lowest exile of ours, the Shekhinah has thereby been humbled down to the lowest depths. At a time like this, acts of tzedakah can reinvigorate with the infinite life that they elicit from the fountainhead of life, the Ein Sof. So the Shechina, he says, has fallen. The Shechina is homeless. We have one home, some have two homes, some have three homes, nice, beautiful homes, some even have a home in the sea, have a yacht, some even have a home in the air, they have a plane. Hashem doesn't have a single home. Hashem is homeless. Could you imagine? Hashem is homeless. He's homeless. He's so impoverished. He doesn't have a home. Hashem is in exile. The Shekhinah is in suffering. The Shekhinah is in pain. The Shekhinah is in exile. We're in exile. The Shekhinah is in exile. When truth is in exile, and Torah is in exile, and Yiddishkeit, and the world is so coarse and crass and so far from its potential, from its inner truth, Hashem is suffering, Hashem is in pain. 
So Hashem is like the poor person that needs help. Hashem is like the impoverished person, the person who has nothing, who's so impoverished, so poor, that he, any act of tzedakah literally like revives, brings some life back, is so appreciated, is so precious, is so special and so needed and necessary and vital. So whatever, how do we revive Hashem? How do we revive the Shechina? The Shechina is the level of Hashem that's engaged in the world, that creates the world, sustains the world, and therefore is enclosed in the world and is affected and suffers. Because there are levels that are beyond, there are levels that are unaffected, remain unaffected. Just like we learned earlier in the Tanya, the first part of the Tanya, in chapter number 19, that there is a level of the soul which may be asleep and dormant, but it's not affected, remains unaffected by our coarseness and crassness. No matter what happens on the conscious level, that pintaliyi, that core and essence, that ability to sacrifice and willingness to sacrifice ourselves for Hashem, our relationship to Hashem is so deep and intimate and so profound that in the moment of truth, it wakes up in a moment. It's asleep. Sleep is not exile. When you're asleep, you're not functioning, you're dormant, but your ability is there. In one split second, it wakes up and it comes roaring back like a lion. Exile is when you're affected, you're in exile, you're exiled, you're imprisoned, you're chained, you're, you're exiled. You're not allowed to express yourself. You're t- tied up, you're chained. So the levels beyond Shechina, that's, that's not exiled. That remains infinite, it's dormant. Like the, the ark is buried today. It's hidden. The holy of, underneath the Holy of Holies, there was a chamber that was built and the ark was placed there like 30 years before the destruction of the first temple, as Maimonides says. And it's there today. It's there, but it's buried. It means it's dormant. It's hidden. It's concealed. It's deep down. So even in exile, it remains intact and whole. It's just buried. It's dormant. It's not functioning. When you're asleep, you're not functioning. But you're not in exile. Your eyes are working properly. Your ears are working properly. It's just you're not functioning. You're asleep. So it's dormant. It's taking a nap. But it can come back in a second. Exile is much more painful. Exile is when it's covered up and concealed and, and distorted and you're locked up and you're exiled away. And you lose your freedom and you're not allowed to express yourself and your, tie, your hands are tied and chained. That's when a the level of the soul that interfaces and interacts with the body on a conscious level, and when we sin and we do things which are completely contrary to our true will and true core and essence, we're in pain. The soul is in pain, the soul is in exile. And so too the divine, the Shekhinah, the level of the divine that is enclosed in the world, that animates us and sustains us and creates us, that's with us, within us. That level of the Shekhinah that presence is an exile because we can't sense Hashem's presence. Hashem is concealed and hidden. So it's very painful. Hashem is sustaining and animating and creating a world which is hostile to truth and hostile to the divine and hostile to everything that's godly and noble and genuine. And he's creating this very distorted world which is very painful to Hashem. 
So Hashem is like a beggar. Hashem is like a beggar, homeless, nothing to eat, nothing to nothing, nowhere to be, unappreciated, exile. So how do we help Hashem? What can we do to revive Hashem, to give life to the Shechina? To give an injection, a fusion of life? To give Hashem a little a good time? (laughs) Relieve Him of His misery? How do we do that? Tzedak. When it says, uh, when the Jewish people were exiled to Adam, are they talking about Rome? Are they talking about the fourth exile? That's the harshest exile of all. That's the present exile, the longest exile. And not just longest, it's also the reason why it's so long is because it's the most difficult and harshest exile. That's why it's, it's quantitatively and qualitatively exile. The most painful. And that's why it's so long, we don't see an end in sight. The lies just continue and continue and continue. We just can't see, you know, when is this exile going to come to a close when it will it end already how, when will this all end how will the redemption when will the, re, will the redemption materialize so it's so complicated and so convoluted and so distorted the lie has become so distorted that it, it's, it's so painful it's like so tied up and you wonder how is it even possible to untie all these knots how are we going to get out of this it's such a mess it's like almost checkmated. How, how are we going to get out of this mess? How is Mashiach going to solve this mess? The, the world is so false. How, how, how will this world become a Torah world? Look exactly the way Hashem envisioned it to be in the Torah. All 14 million Jews will be following 600, all 613 minutes. All seven billion people will be following, become righteous Gentiles and be following the seven Noahide laws. How is this going to all materialize? This is very painful. The world is so alienated from its true self, its true nature, it's just too, too painful to watch. This is exile. This is the, the deepest meaning of exile. It's not about taking an, an alal t- ticket to Israel. If it was that easy to bring Mashiach, buying a $500, you can get a bargain. If you go and dance, you can get a bargain, $500. Mashiach would have been a long time ago. It's a different type of journey. We're talking about an inner journey, a spiritual redemption, where the world becomes genuine and authentic and godly and good and wholesome. So this is very painful, a very painful exile. So how do we revive Hashem? How do we... But it seems like what you're saying is the simple act of tzedakah is what's going to... Re- you yes. know, I mean, yes. when you just went on and on, it's got to be more than tzedakah. No. The simple act of tzedakah. Tzedakah saves us from death. Tzedakah, it says the Jewish people, we learned already in the previous letters, it's tzien, that the Yidden, the Jewish people, will be redeemed. Zion will be redeemed and will be returned through Tzedakah. The power of Tzedakah has the power to bring redemption. Single-handedly. That's how powerful Tzedakah is. Powerful is the medicine for everything. In Alter Rebbe's cabinet, medicine cabinet, he had one ingredient. Almost one, one major ingredient. Tzedakah. 
That's why we have almost 32 letters, most of them, all about tzedakah. Every letter is something, another novel point about tzedakah. Tzedakah was the recipe for everything. That's why the Rebbe stood for hours, every Sunday, for years and years, giving thousands of people every Sunday tzedakah, tzedakah, again and again and again. This is, this is what's going to save us. This is, tzedakah is so powerful. If we knew the power of tzedakah, he says, you would make us. That's what he's saying. If you knew the power of tzedakah, you wouldn't do it once a year. You would do it weekly. And at least monthly. But maybe it's because we never gave the Rebbe's... We all saved him. No, that's fine. As long as you substitute it. Of course. And the Rebbe said that many times. Of course you want to keep the dollar. But as long as you substitute it. it's not have a lot of them? It's not the idea of the dollar itself, it's the, it's the substitute, the value of the money. And you would give more than one dollar, of course, you would give a lot more than that. So the Rebbe caused thousands of Jews and was impressing upon us the importance of constantly giving and giving and giving. So that's, and that's what's unique to our generation also. You know, we're not so great when it comes to other areas in Jewish life, but we are probably the greatest generation of tzedakah. I don't think any other generation gave as much tzedakah as in our generation. So this is our, this is where we shine. Maybe. This is where we sparkle. Maybe it's wrong to keep them like that. No, no, no. Absolutely not. As long as you substituted and gave an equivalent to tzedakah, keep those dollars. They're, they're, very, they're very holy dollars. Very special. The tzedakah has this effect because the arousal which man initiates from below to revive the spirit of the humbled, i.e. the pauper who has nothing at all of his own, elicits an arousal from above. The quoted phrase describing the poor is advisedly borrowed from the Kabbalist description of the Shekinah as the sphere, Malkut of which has nothing at all of its own, but which, but what is given to it by others, i.e. by the higher sphere. The similar phrase quoted above thus highlights the fact that mortal men's charitable initiative in reviving the spirits of his poor neighbor does not merely echo or parallel the charity with which the Ansof revives the humble Shekinah, it is quite literally, it quite literally activates it. Tzedakah then draws down life from the fountainhead of life to the sphere of Malta of which is also known as the land of life. So this is a very, a very key, essential Jewish belief that, that you know, we are in the driver's seat. And Hashem, God is interactive computer generation could understand this. Hashem is interactive. Whatever we do, we trigger. Hashem acts. As the Baal Shem Tov said, it says until him, Hashem Tzilcha, Hashem is our, our shadow. The shadow follows us completely. We smile, Hashem smiles. We're cheerful, we're joyful, Hashem is cheerful and joyful. We're kind and generous and giving, Hashem is kind and generous and giving. Whatever we do, that's exactly what he does. So when we are charitable and giving tzedakah, to give to those who have nothing, who are poor, when we become givers, we activate Hashem's giving. Hashem draws down from His infinite light to revive the Shekhinah. The Shekhinah that's in exile, the Shekhinah that's suffering, the Shekhinah that's so homeless and so impoverished. Hashem revives gives it life, a fresh infusion of life. Because we've given, and we've given life to someone who's on the receiving end who needs help. And we are fulfilling our mission of becoming givers 
So Hashem does His thing and Hashem gives and gives a new lease of life, a new fresh life, vitality to the Shekhinah. And especially, especially, especially when people walk voluntarily to sustain the inhabitants of the actual land of life for Eretz Yisrael, the geographical land of life corresponds to the heavenly land of life, Malkut of As we read in letter 8, that the land of Israel is, is called the land of life. It corresponds to the, to the divine land of life, to the world of Malchut. So of all tzedakahs, any tzedakah that we give triggers this tremendous response with the infinite divine life flows into the, into the land of life, into the level of Malchut. But especially when you give tzedakah to Israel, which takes precedence of any other tzedakah, because when you give tzedakah to Israel, surely you're giving life to the land of Israel, to the inhabitants of the land of Israel, to the Jews living in Israel, you, how much more so that you draw down life into the land of life, into the land of living, into the, into the Shekhinah. You revive the Shekhinah. And when you revive the Shekhinah, good things happen. In a very personal way, in a very internal way. Because the Shekhinah is revealed in a revealed way. The Shekhinah is with us. The Shekhinah animates us. The Shekhinah creates us and sustains <coughs> us. So when the Shekhinah is revived, it translates into a revival of our lives, our health, our financial success, and it draws down blessings. Not only has no one ever, no one ever got hurt by giving tzedakah, but anyone who gives tzedakah is blessed, obviously blessed. Hashem says, test me. And you will see that you will see the results, immediate results, instant results, physical, tangible, concrete results. Okay, this will suffice for those who understand. Not everything could be, it's enough information, you figure it out yourself. Mm-hmm. But you get the point and you realize how much how powerful the simple act of giving tzedakah is. Now whoever is enlightened as to so great and wondrous a matter, that is, the cosmic, dynamic, traced above, whereby an act of tzedakah draws down supernal life from the blessed Ainsos to animate the exiled Shina, will discover and appreciate how profound are the words of the sages of blessed memory. When they said everything is judged according to the multiplicity of action, this refers to the act of charity, which is formed numerous times, thereby eliciting the supreme form of life, that is, life that derives from the infinite fountainhead of life, by repeatedly bringing bringing about the supreme unification of Kudshavrithu and his Sphina. Every act of tzedakah draws Kudshavrithu and aim so downward to his shina, down into the lower levels of this world. This is also similar to what the Rambam wrote in praise of the re- repeated giving of tzedakah to refine the soul, the nefesh. These words allude as well to the supreme unification that is thereby affected in the worlds above. For as, as is known from the, shape, the sacred Zohar, the Shkina is called Nefesh, soul, because it is our life and our soul. As in the phrase, our soul is stooped to the dust, which alludes to the descent of the Shkina into exile. 
And that is why our sages of blessed memory said, great is charity, for it brings the redemption near. By raising the spina from the dust by gradual stages with every act of tzedakah. Until Shiloh will come. And until Mashiach comes, at which time the spina will be reinstated to its pristine height. So when he says, that's what the Mishnah says, that everything is according to the frequency of the action. Because every time you give tzedakah, we create, affect this tremendous union above. So every time you give tzedakah, you have this powerful effect. You're reviving the Shekhinah. You're drawing down a new surge of energy from the infinite to the level of the Shekhinah. And that's what the Rambam also means, that it refines the soul, not just personally, individually, the person, it refines us and leaves a very lasting impression on us if you do it a thousand times, but also you're reviving the soul, referring to Hashem, who's the soul of the world. The Shekhinah is the soul of the world. The energy that's revealed within us, the energy that's animating us, sustaining us. So you're refining the soul, you're drawing down the infinite light, you're giving it a new lease of life. Tzemotzedek asks a letter, uh, a mimer, a discourse from Tzemotzedek, and he questions the point Alter Rebbe is making here. He says, Alter Rebbe is saying that it's more important to the frequency of the action is more important than the amount of the tzedakah. If you're going to give the same amount, but just give it a one lump sum, it's not the same as one who gives frequently the same amount of money, but gives it in installments. Samuel Tzedek says, it doesn't make sense. The mother says, and we already learned it earlier in one of the letters, that tzedakah is great, that every penny adds up to a great amount. That even though you're giving one penny at a time, but it all it's, it, it's okay, why? It's good, because it will all add up to a great amount. So what do we see from this Gemara? Which is superior? Giving a penny at a time, or giving one great lump sum, one large lump sum? When the Talmud says that even if you give, not only if you give a lump sum, but even if you give one penny at a time, it's like it's considered as if you gave a lump sum. So clearly from the Gemara we see that giving a lump sum is much greater than giving one penny at a time. Also, secondly, the Talmud Tzedek says, let, let, let's break this down, like you said earlier. What are we talking about here? A person who's not fulfilling his obligation is not giving, is not tithing, is not giving 10% of his income. So he can give a thousand times, ten thousand times, he's not fulfilling his obligation. The person who gave a lump sum, but he's giving ten percent, he's tithing, he's giving ten percent of his annual income, he's fulfilling the mitzvah. He has the mitzvah tzedakah. So what are you telling me? That the person who gave a thousand times, but he gave less than the amount that he should give, is superior to the one who fulfilled his obligation. So the Tzemach Tzedek explains... He says, there's no question that the quantity, the amount of tzedakah matters. If a person gives one dollar, nine dollars, one to nine, you affect a certain divine response. If you give in the tens, from ten 
through 99, it's a different category. It's a higher, you're giving much more. You're giving two, digit, two digits. A person gives one digit. It's one level, one response. If you're giving two digits, there's a higher response, a much greater response. Hashem reciprocates. You gave one digit, you'll get a one-digit response. You give two digits. If a person gives three digits, from 100 to 999, it's a whole different response. It's much more serious. You move him up a seat, okay? This is a much more serious giver. This is a serious amount. If a person gives four digits, anywhere from 1,000 to 9,999, oh, wow, you can't compare. can't compare the $500 check to the $9,000 check. Of course, just like we are impressed when it's a much more, the amount is much more significant that means it, has, it, it carries weight. It's a much weightier mitzvah. I'm giving tzedakah. This is a serious giving. I'm not giving three digits. I'm giving four digits. And when a person gives five digits, anywhere up till 99,999. Five digits. That's serious. You're talking about in the tens of thousands. How can you compare that to someone who's writing a $1,000 check? It's a different category. It's a different family. It's a different... Level. The one digit and the two digits and the three digits and the five digits and the six digits and today we can thank God we can talk about six digits and maybe even more. A person is giving a hundred thousand. Seven digits, a million. I mean, you're talking about it's a different, a different, it's a leap. It's a quantum leap. How can you compare? It's a different level of tzedakah. You sit up, you take it seriously. Wow, six digits. Seven digits. Oh my. Ten digits. <laughs> I don't know if that happened yet. One time. But it's, it's a different thing. And just like we sit up and we respond when we hear, wow, guy gave tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's a different level. So surely the response in heaven is also different. You can't compare. You can't compare a smaller level of tzedakah to a higher level of tzedakah. It's much more intense, much more powerful. The impact is greater. The generosity is greater, and the impact is greater, and the effect is greater. But nevertheless, that's what the Talmud says. That although giving the amount makes a huge difference, what the total is, what the amount is, the level of giving, but the Talmud is telling us something new that Hashem will add up all the individual donations will add up to one great total. In other words, if I didn't, instead of giving a hundred, if I didn't give a hundred thousand, but I gave it in increments, I gave ten thousand and ten thousand and ten thousand and ten thousand in ten different installments, which all adds up to a hundred, Hashem will consider it as if I gave the hundred thousand which draws down a much more intense response, a much more powerful response, because it's not I gave 10,000. Five digits. And when you add up all the 10,000, it ends up being six digits. It's a whole different level. It's a whole different level of giving. It's a whole different category. It's a quantum leap. So even though I didn't give a check for 100,000, I just gave it in installments. But when you add it all up, it all adds up. So what Al-Tarebi is saying in this letter is, here we have the best of both worlds. 
I have the advantage of the quantity, of the level of giving. One digit, two digit, three digit, four digit, five digit, six digit, seven digit, etc. Because I, it all adds up. In addition, I have the advantage by giving it in installments. Each time I give, I'm refining my soul. I'm drawing down. I can give once. But here, each time I'm giving, I'm affecting, affecting something in the divine. Great repercussions that are beyond unfathomable. Every time I give. So I have the best of both worlds. I have the quantity, the frequency, and I have the quality. I have the total amount, and I have the fact that I'm giving it an installment. That's what Alter Rebbe is encouraging. And as he said, as Alter Rebbe explained, we're not talking about a choice of letting the poor person starve so I should have the advantage. We're talking about, as he quotes, someone said, he quotes Levush Yisrael, Levush Yisrael, talks about, uh, you're giving one day. Let's say I'm giving tzedakah one day. One day I'm giving tzedakah. So the poor person is not going to make a difference whether I give in the morning, I give the whole tom, the whole lump sum, or I give it all day. I'm going to give a thousand times. Here, take, take. So you can't compare. At the end of the day, you're going to walk away with the same thousand dollars. But I did the mitzvah a thousand times. I triggered a divine response a thousand times. I revived Hashem, the Shekhinah, a thousand times versus just doing it once. And the sum is the same. So I have the advantage of a four digits. I gave a thousand dollars altogether. When you add up all the single dollars, it ends up being a thousand. And it doesn't affect the recipient. It's all in the same day. It's not going to make a difference whether I give it all in the morning or one shot or by the end of the day when he needs it and when he receives it, he's gotten from me a thousand dollars. I have the best of both worlds. I've given it frequently. I've given a great sum, a huge sum altogether. I have the quality, I have the quantity. A thousand divine flows and on the level of a thousand. But the Levushi Asrod says, and that's the difference between what Alter Rebbe is saying and the Samot Tzedek is saying, Levushi Asrod, Levushi Asrod says that since you're planning to give a thousand dollars, so every time you give, Hashem will consider it as if you've given a thousand dollars. Because my plan is to give a thousand dollars, just a thousand installments, the same day. So Hashem will consider it as if, and that's true. Hashem will consider it. You plan to do a good deed. You made a commitment. You're planning. So every time you already gave the first dollar bill, Hashem will consider it as if you've already given. But that's only Hashem will consider it. But in order to affect this flow that Al Rebbe is discussing here. This, this effluence of, of divine flow, that only happens when you actually get the deed done. When the receiver actually receives it. My uh, commitment and my uh, intention, good intention and resolution, yes, Hashem considers it as if it's done. But to the receiver, the poor person, until he receives it, until he has the money in his pocket, until it, it, it doesn't 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 add up. It's not real. So in order to, af- to affect, to trigger the response that we're discussing here, it's only when it's actual, when you actually give it. So only after the person actually gives it a thousand times. And it ends up being a total of a thousand. In fact, in reality, in actuality, that it's been received, it's been given, it's out of my pocket, and it's been received and given already. 
then Hashem has, then you have the effect. You have the divine flow of giving a thousand times, and plus you have the divine flow of giving a thousand dollars, which you can't compare. It's not the same divine flow as someone who gives one dollar, nine, or someone who gives a hundred dollars. So here I have the best of both worlds. When in actuality it's actualized, when this resolution is actualized, they actually give the money, and I gave it a thousand times, and then it all adds up. So I had a thousand, I triggered a thousand divine flows. But I've also, it all adds up to a thousand. So it triggers a mighty flow, a powerful response. It's not that I've given a thousand singles, because singles don't have the same effect as the thousand. A thousand doesn't have the same effect as, as ten thousand. Ten thousand doesn't have the same effect as a hundred thousand. A hundred thousand does not have the same effect as a million, etc., etc. It's a very, very powerful letter. Um, one of those classics. This um, Dalta Rebbe's appeal. One of those illuminating letters that opens our eyes, helps us appreciate and understand the power of giving tzedakah. As he says, that tzedakah, that's why tzedakah draws redemption near. It revives the shechina until the shechina is completely revived and comes back to life and will be redeemed and released from its prison and return back and be revealed in the holy land of Israel in the holy city of Jerusalem on the holy mountain, temple mount in the base of Megdash with all 14 million Jews dancing in the streets of Yerushalayim or the Yehud of Chutzus Yerushalayim and the next letter letter number 22 which is an incredible letter classical, powerful letter. We will uh, will be taught next week, Tuesday, by the Alter Rebbe himself mm-hmm. on the Upper East Side of Jerusalem. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com